Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, it's the first Monday of the month of February 2017, and that must mean that it's time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Um, delighted to have you with me and my co-host, Susie Porton. How are you today? Susie, are you there? Goodness. We're having some technical problems this morning. Uh, I had trouble signing into the program. Susie looked like she was on and then just got disconnected. We'll see if those continue, but hopefully not. Um, How's it going with you out there? If you're a New England Patriots fan, you are very happy this morning, thanks to the uh, improbable but uh, extremely exciting conclusion to last night's Super Bowl. Uh, I'm betting that lots of people who are listening don't care. Um but it was exciting Um, and uh, a great uh, example of resilience, I suppose, to come back from a 28-3 deficit and win the game. Susie, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. And you? I am well. Um, It was a great comeback, wasn't it? It was quite something, um, rather stunning um, that – they were able to pull that off, and uh, I don't think I'd want to be a member of the Atlanta Falcons this morning. It's almost uh-huh. like um, getting something ripped away from you just as you're at the precipice of having it. But um, you know what? Life goes on. It's just a game, and it's just entertainment, just like Lady Gaga, <laughs> all packed into one uh, four-hour thing. So here we go. We're not here to talk sports. Um, We're going to talk about parenting your challenging child. Anything that you'd like to start with this morning? We have no callers, but maybe that's because I haven't announced the phone number yet. It's 347-994-2981. Please press 1. Anything that you'd like to start with this morning before we turn our attention to to email? But, of course, callers get first priority on the program, so we'll see if anybody calls in. All right. Well, Dr. Green, I was talking over the weekend to one of my friends, and her son is drinking and smoking a lot of pot. And this is someone who I've talked to about the model. She said the one thing she didn't quite get was, what are the lagging skills behind drinking and smoking pot? He's not stoned or staggering drunk all the time, and it's not interfering with his schoolwork, but I wonder what your thoughts are. Well, I don't know. Uh, There's lots of lagging skills that could set 
the stage for that maladaptive behavior. There, I suppose, are also unsolved problems that could right. set the stage for a kid to be doing drugs or drinking too much. Um, here's the interesting thing about that. Um, for a lot of kids, that's the norm. Um, I'm still looking for um, lagging skills. So one that sometimes comes to mind is difficulty anticipating the likely consequences or action uh, consequences of one's actions. Um, that sometimes comes into play. Uh, mm-hmm. But the good news is um, that is something we can talk with kids about. That is something that adults have concerns about. Presumably it's something the kid has a perspective on as well. And the trick is still to reconcile the two um, sets of concerns so that both parties are okay with the outcome. We're looking for a mutually satisfactory solution. Lots of times adults try to handle substance use with plan A, but because they can't lock the kid up in his or her room for the rest of his or her life, that tends not to be a satisfactory solution. They can take away privileges till the cow comes home and still not make a dent in it. Of course, my daughter is in her first year of college this year, and um, I don't know. I think that at most universities and colleges, somewhere between 60 to 80% of the kids are using substances at some point or another. That's not me endorsing it or saying it's okay, but some of them are functioning just fine. So the trick is to, number one, decide what the parents' expectations on that are. And I'm always fascinated that um, at, at what parents' expectations are around substance use. There are parents who are perfectly fine with it. There are parents who find it to be absolutely abhorrent and everything in between. There's no average. do find that a lot of parents are kind of okay with it so long as it's not affecting other aspects of living that are okay to the kid's future. Um, I'm never a huge fan of it. I'm not necessarily ecstatic that marijuana has been decriminalized and legalized on one hand. On the one hand, putting lots of people in jail for marijuana use makes no sense whatsoever, but I think some people made the mistake of thinking that that meant it was okay. It's not okay. It's not okay to drive under the influence of anything. Um, Not okay if it is uh, impacting your life in negative ways. Um, Those things aren't okay. So Mm -hmm. we shouldn't take decriminalizing as evidence of the fact that society is saying it's okay, more that society is saying it's not that much different from alcohol and that's legal. Um, So parents have different perspectives on this, and we got to get those perspectives on the table Kids' perspective on the table, this is plan B we're talking about here and see if we can come to a solution that works for both parties. Thank you. What do you think of that? I think that's terrific advice. My expectation for my own two is that they would not use, um, and I made sure that that expectation was crystal clear without giving away anything personal about my kids. Um, I'm not going to say whether they were able to meet that expectation, but they certainly knew that's what my expectation was. Um, No calls yet. 
347-994-2981. Why don't we turn our attention to some email, shall we? Great. Here we go. Um, I have just completed reading The Explosive Child and Lost at School. I am collaborating with my son's alternative public school to implement the CPS model. It has been useful, and I do see him able to collaborate more about some problems. We have identified his lagging skills and unsolved problems. There are many. There usually are. Our biggest issue at home is his response to his younger sister. Anytime he feels poorly about himself, he targets her by being verbally mean or intimidating. When we ask him about it, in the empathy step, he just says he wants to be an only child again. She was born when he was four. We keep revisiting this, but he continues to target her. The next issue is safety at school. He is in a classroom with five students and three adults. One adult is assigned only to him. There still seems to be times that when asked to do a simple task, he will go into a full outrage and begin hitting, kicking, and trying to run out of the building at school. He has offered strategies and multiple options, but many times he ends up in a physical restraint. I'm very sorry about that. I have read that this response can increase the aggressive behavior, but there does not seem to be other options at those moments. Our goal is to stop the aggressive incidents, but after three years of an alternative school, we still aren't there, since he was just restrained twice today. Can CPS help us to reach these goals? Are there cases where the strategy is just not enough for some kids? How do you know when something more is needed? Great questions. Great that you emailed in. Let's see if we can help you out here. Um, number one, I'm seeing a need to make the unsolved problems more specific. Um, I'm not sure how you're wording it when you're trying to ask him about difficulty getting along with his younger sister, but we don't want to have any theories in the unsolved problem, so we don't want to have anything about him feeling poorly him, about himself in the unsolved problem. That's an adult theory. We want to make a bunch of unsolved problems that are specific to the exact situations in which he's having difficulty getting along with his younger sister. And we're not going to put any behavior in there. Uh, one thing I'll say about this email is that it's a lot more specific about the behaviors than the unsolved problems, which is the thing we've got to sort of turn around. We've got to be much more specific about the unsolved problems and um, less specific about the behaviors. We're not working on the behaviors. We're working on the unsolved problems. So when you revisit this unsolved problem, and there's probably several, you want to be as specific as possible about the unsolved problems. Otherwise, you may only continue to hear that he only wants to be an only child again. But if you're very specific, difficulty getting along your sister when you're watching TV together, difficulty getting along with your sister um, during playtime, difficulty sitting next to your sister during dinner time. Um, I think you'll get something more than only wanting to be an only child again, but I think what sets the stage for that is having the unsolved problem be as specific as possible. As it relates to the safety at school, we certainly have plenty of adults hanging out with him, so this is not a lack of supervision issue, it doesn't sound like. But uh, when asked to do a simple task, it may seem simple to us, but apparently it's not simple to him. 
And we need a list of all of these simple tasks that he is apparently having difficulty completing reliably. Otherwise, we're not going to get anything out of him on that either. Um, and my bet is that there are 10 to 12 tasks that he's having difficulty completing reliably. Once again, they seem simple to us, but if he's going into a full-out rage over them, they aren't so simple for him, and we've got to find out what's getting in his way. And we've got to do all of that proactively, because I'm betting that once he gets into a rage, like most kids... Um, there's not a whole lot of wonderful stuff to do in that moment. You're in crisis management mode at that moment, and the best options are defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody self, uh, safe. Now, here's the interesting thing. Um, there aren't great options at those moments. Your best options are what you do before those moments. And we need a list of all of the expectations he's having difficulty reliably meeting at school. Many of them are going to be going into plan C initially. We don't even, we're setting them aside for now. And he is not going to go into a rage over expectations that have been set aside for now. We're working on two or three of them with him in plan B. Those are our high priorities. Once those are solved, he's not going to be going into a rage over them either. So now comes the million-dollar question. If they're doing CPS and they got two or three unsolved problems in B and the rest are in plan C, then it's a little difficult to understand what he is going into a rage over because kids usually go into a rage when adults are using plan A. So I'm wondering if we have our list. wonder if we've set aside a whole bunch of them for now. I wonder how we're doing at solving those problems collaboratively. And now we can finally come to the last question, which is, are there cases where CPS is just not enough for some kids? Yes. But I want to make sure that CPS is being done well, otherwise it's impossible to answer that question. Sometimes augmentive skill training is a good idea. Sometimes medication is a good idea, but only for issues that medication addresses well, and I am not deciphering any things in the information that you've provided that gives me thought that medication might be helpful, but of course, I don't know your son, and nor should, nor does being on this program represent a comprehensive evaluation. The part that I'm most concerned about is I'm not sure that the model is being done especially well. Um, so if there aren't any factors playing into his difficulties that medication would address well, um, my fo primary focal point would be on is CPS being done well? And based on the things you're telling me in your email, I think that there's things, and things that we could buff up on to make sure we're good on that count. I can't, I'm not hearing anything about your son, though. Your other question was, can CPS help you achieve these goals? Yeah. Uh, without knowing anything about your son, these do sound like problems that are solvable, um, not enough information in your email about um, factors about your son that might make him difficult to participate in Plan B or factors that might require medication, just not enough details. Let's make sure we're doing the model well, though. Susie, anything to add to that? Um, that was rather long-winded, wasn't it? <laughs> the uh, 
the beauty of the CPS model is that it offers hope. And um, you want to make sure that um, you recognize that it's a family problem, not just the child who is uh, demonstrating challenges. And uh, I wanted to say to check in with the siblings, with the little sister, and see how she's doing, if she's, you know, coping all right or if she has any concerns with um, the challenging brother because it's a difficult situation. And I'm really glad that you brought up the sister because um, I know that you have personal experience with... um, a yes. behaviorally challenging son and a sibling who is being quite adversely affected by it. So I'm delighted that you brought that up, but I think I interrupted you, so keep going. Um, well, now that thought is gone. So, uh, yes, I'm very sensitive. See what I get for interrupting to, you? No. Um, I'm very sensitive to the siblings and um, how it affects them. Let's move on to another one, shall we? Let me just first check and see. No callers today. Um, Here's another email. I have tried some of the things you have mentioned. I have been looking at things for about two days, and I don't see anything where we reach a collaboration that ends up with at least some form of the child doing what they need to do. I hear a lot of, well, my issues are that I can't brush my teeth because of X, whatever X is. We have a child who will simply say, I don't want to do it because I don't want to do it, and that's it. It's a nightmare. We have tried so many things that it only gets worse. All right. First of all, it might take longer than two days. But secondly, let's make sure that we're wording our unsolved problems well Let's make sure that we are using the drilling strategies on the drilling cheat sheet to clarify the child's concerns. Otherwise, we are likely to hear, I don't want to do it because I don't want to do it, and that's it. Could be that your child is having difficulty putting his or her thoughts into words. But here's the interesting thing. I'm wondering if... We've lost our way here a little bit. And the sentence that gives this away is, uh, I don't see anything where we reach a collaboration that ends up with at least some form of the child doing what they need to do. I'm a little worried that we have a um, preordained notion about how plan B is going to turn out. And if we are entering plan B, already knowing how it's going to turn out, then that's not plan B. That's plan A. Um, Now, I don't know if that's what's really going on because this is a uh, rather brief email. But it does sound like we are getting some details from the kid about an unsolved problem related to brushing teeth. Whatever X is is actually extremely important because that's the concern that needs to be addressed of your child's in plan B. But you're not using plan B to um, force through 
what it is that you envision happening as the solution to a problem. The definition of a good solution is that it addresses your child's concerns and it addresses your concerns. So if your child is having difficulty brushing his teeth because of X, until X is resolved, I suspect there won't be any teeth brushing going on. The reason you want the kid to be brushing his or her teeth is because of your concerns. Now, let's, here's, the, here's the crucial piece. A good solution is one that addresses the concerns of both parties. So isn't this interesting? That sets the stage for the fact that let's say that you're concerned about cavities. Let's say your child doesn't like the taste of the toothpaste. And let's say that you come up with a solution, and I'm being quite far-fetched here, in which your child is going to brush his or her teeth using sand. Sand. Let's say your child likes the taste of sand. And let's say that your child is okay using sand to brush his teeth. And let's say to clean his teeth. And let's say that you're okay with sand being used to keep your kid from getting cavities. Your child might not be brushing his teeth. He's just using sand. But if the concerns of both parties have been addressed, that problem is solved. Your kid may not be brushing his teeth in the way that you envisioned, but his concern has been addressed. Your concern has been addressed. The solution isn't exactly what you had in mind. It may not have been the original expectation. But your child is getting his teeth cleaned and your concern is addressed because he or she's not getting cavities. That's a good solution. Good solutions are mutually satisfactory. Good solutions are not what the adult envisioned before they entered Plan B. And that's crucial. Sand, of course, is a little far-fetched. But you'd be amazed at the number of solutions that address the concerns of both parties but are not what the caregiver originally envisioned in their expectation. Susie, anything to add to that? Um, yes. To recognize that it's a developmental delay, um, like a reading or a math uh, difficulty, it helps to restore patience and to keep a log um, and prioritize your two or three problems that you want to work on. Use the problem-solving plan. Make an appointment with the child. You want to do it, have this discussion in a calm moment. And even 15 minutes a day will help to indirectly teach those lagging skills and work out problems collaboratively and proactively. Um, the model is a new way of thinking and viewing your child. It's enlightened and compassionate. Um, it took me a long time. I thought I had to come up with the perfect solution for my child, but really I came to understand that the perfect solution is the one that you work out between your, you and your child. Um, and remember that the first solution might not stand the test of time that you have to end the discussion with a reminder that um, if the unsolved problems not work out, you have to return to it at a, at a later time and 
um, keep talking about it until it is resolved. Let's do another one. Okay. I am an Army reservist who is deploying in May since we notified my stepson, who has significant behavioral issues in the past. His behavior has been extremely difficult. When using the ALSIP, it seems like it is supposed to be completed collaboratively with teachers and others involved in his life. We only have week on and week off custody with his father, and he's not involved and refuses to collaborate with us concerning the bad behavior. He is against counseling and will not even discuss issues, such as the child's school suspension last year. The behavior has multiplied about 50% in the last week. I'm listening to the videos, and we were using something of a combination of parenting skills that were somewhat plan A and plan B. Right now, nothing is working, and it is only getting worse to the point where we are concerned about him harming others in the home or himself. How can we do the ALSIP without the input of others? All right, a few things in there that we need to talk about. First of all, um, if you are concerned about your child harming others in the home or himself, if your concerns reach a level that have you very concerned about his safety or that of others, then you need to make a trip to the emergency room. Or if there's a mental health professional who's involved in uh, his treatment, make sure that they know because we priority number one, which is why I'm addressing it first, is safety. Um, not something to sit on. Let's make sure everybody's safe, even if that means a trip to the emergency room. But if you're involved with another mental health, with a mental health professional, make sure that you let him or her know. All right. Um, can you complete the ALSIP without the input of other significant people in the child's life? Yes, you can. Do it yourself. Um, if you can't get somebody engaged in the process, do the ALSIP yourself. Now, if you're asking me, uh, what does that portend over the long haul if um, there is uh, significant uh, discrepancy between what you're trying to do in your home and what the uh, uh, biological father is trying to do in his home? That's something that it certainly would be nice to get resolved. It's not always something that can be resolved, but it's something that, um, I don't know, a mental health professional might be able to help bring the two different parties together so they can at least collaborate on the care of the kid. Um, and uh, if the behavior has gotten worse in the last week, I don't want to read between the lines here, but you're saying that it seems to be coinciding with him learning that you are deploying in May. That wouldn't be a bad place to start talking with the kid. And I guess my last point is um, you're saying that you're using a combination of plan A and plan B. So long as plan A is in the mix, I'm not sure you're going to see a significant drop in um, – the explosive episodes. Plan B is good at that. Plan A is actually not that good at that. My experience tells me that Plan A often causes challenging episodes, so the combination might be working against you as well. As always, you need your list of unsolved problems. Got to prioritize. Got to set some of them aside. Going to be working on two or three at a time, your high priorities. Um, if you're using a combination of plan A and B, I do have concerns about what it's going to look like in the problem-solving department. 
that's all. That's my two cents. Susie, got anything to throw into the hopper there? Um, I was going to say to have a plan B conversation with the father. I think you touched on that. Um, when we first were introduced to the model, um, my significant other, my husband, was very resistant, and um, it took quite a few conversations to help him to understand that things were broken and we really needed to do something differently. Um, He he did come around um, and was great at Plan B when he could do Plan B. Uh, still has some occasional planet A lapses, but um, that did take a while. And I guess I would also recommend if they could um, purchase a copy of The Explosive Child and um, not put the father on the defense, but to offer it as a means to help with their uh, son. There you have it. We're making good headway here. These are the most recent emails that we have received, so we're um, slicing through them here. This is another interesting one. Aren't they all interesting? Mm-hmm. I have a 14-year-old boy who is attending a very challenging prep school. He would prefer to go to the public school in town. This year in eighth grade, his grades have tanked. He went from having mostly B's and a few C's to having mostly C's with one D in chemistry and a B in his favorite class. I have him doing his homework at the dining room table so that I can monitor him to ensure that he stays on task and also to make sure that he is completing his work. Every Friday I have a check-in with his advisor at school where his performance during the week is documented for each class. Additionally, missing work is included on the chart. We now have a tutor in math and science and both tutors tell us He gets the material very easily. It's not a question of it being too hard for him. It's a question of effort. Tonight, in a calm time after homework was completed, I asked him why he isn't getting his work done without an argument every night and why I am hearing from his teachers in two classes that he's tuning out. He told me the reason he isn't working harder in school is because I care too much about his work, and if I stopped caring so much, he'd work harder so that he could be doing it for himself. He then told me that he feels that he should have access to video games during the week, which isn't allowed in our house, as long as he is getting his work done. He believes he should be able to play video games before homework as long as he leaves time to get his work done. I am a loss as to how to proceed. I am afraid of completely letting him determine how, where, and when he's going to get his work done, because I really don't believe he will do it. I think he may be telling me this just to get the freedoms he wants without doing his work. Then he told me, like tonight, Mom, I actually had math homework, but I didn't even write it down in my assignment note workbook because I didn't want you making sure I completed it. After we had our conversation, he went downstairs without me asking, and he did his math homework. He never does homework without me asking him to do it. I just don't know what to do. He is very verbal and thoughtful with his discussions with me, but but he rarely applies himself at school. He almost seems to be coasting in school. He's not a behavior problem, and he is a sweet kid, but he is just not trying. 
Eighth grade is a good time to try different approaches, but I just don't know how to proceed. A few weeks ago, I was considering getting neuropsych testing for him, but now I realize he might his, his not trying at school might be a form of parental protest. Please advise. Well, it does sound like there are problems that need to be solved here related to homework. Um, it does sound, Mom, like you have concerns about the homework not getting done. It also sounds like there are a variety of solutions that have been imposed on your son. Some might say um, that at the age of 14, those imposing solutions start to lead to diminishing returns. That might be what you're seeing. But um, quite frankly, without knowing your situation beyond what you've written for us, I'm not at a loss for what I think you should do. I think you should do Plan B. And I do think that there is a way to address your son's concerns, but simultaneously make sure that your concerns get addressed. The problem is, right now, only your concerns are getting addressed through imposed solutions. For this to go better, we need his concerns to get addressed as well. I think you can get both sets of concerns addressed if you're using Plan B, but I know that if you're using Plan A, only the concerns of one party, you, are going to be addressed. Be brave. Try Plan B. See if you can get some of the reassurance you're looking for about work getting done, but still address some of your son's concerns. Susie, your turn. Uh, the guidance counselor at our son's school uh, on a weekly basis, well, actually more than a weekly basis, she met um, two or three times a week with our son to help organize his homework assignments. And Susie, let me ask you a question. Did you change location, and are you on a wireless phone? Um, I am on a wireless, but let me try this. That's much better. Okay, sorry. Um, so she met with him uh, uh, two or three times a week um, to help organize his assignments, and indeed we got the homework assignments in advance. Um, so the responsibility went to our son on getting his work done as opposed to us um, forcing him to do his work. Um, and I was just going to say that working together with her son to figure out the unsolved problems, um, it did sound as if there were quite a few unrealistic expectations, rules that have been set in place that she uh, might need to reconsider and bend on a little bit. But it's working together with your child, not at him or for him. Yeah, 
you know, extra help is all well and good, but not if it's in the form of a preordained or imposed solution. Mm-hmm. Um, extra help is great if, and it doesn't even have to be the kid's idea, uh, he or she just has to be good with it, has to be mutually satisfactory. That's where we caregivers go wrong so often. we got a great idea, but instead of collaborating with the kid, uh, to make sure that the solution is mutually satisfactory, to make sure that the concerns of both parties are addressed, we end up imposing solutions that only address our concerns. And then we got the kid waving at us in our rearview mirror, yelling at us, you left me behind. Right. Let's do another. I have read the Explosive Child book and have filled out the ALSIP, the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. Most of the unsolved problems stem from my 14-year-old boy's addiction to his cell phone, coming to meals when called, coming down to breakfast when called, going to bed at a decent hour, homework organization, etc. In trying to collaborate with him on some solutions to, here we go, putting some boundaries around his usage. He is totally unwilling to work on any compromise. Picking two hours a day where it's off, his tutor recommended apps where it blocks social stuff but allows him to use it for work, and this is not acceptable either. What is your guidance on coming up with solutions when your child does not want solutions? I'm not hearing that your child does not want solutions. I'm hearing that you have a preordained solution and a theory about all unsolved problems stemming from an addiction to the cell phone. Now, I'm not dismissing the possibility that your kid is on his cell phone a lot. Whether it's an addiction or not, um, I don't know where the line is drawn on that, but you have named some very specific unsolved problems, difficulty coming to meals difficult on time, difficulty coming to breakfast on time, difficulty going to bed at XYZ hour, uh, difficulty organizing homework. These are all great unsolved problems. But why do I say that we have a preordained solution? Because it sounds like, Mom, what you're trying to do here is make solutions to those problems. You're pegging all of them to cell phone usage and to putting boundaries around them. And, um, well, that's a preordained solution. Um, So I'm not sure that your child doesn't want solutions. I think we need to make sure in Plan B that we're getting the kids' concerns on the table, then yours, which I'm hearing a great deal about, including some theories about everything tracing back to cell phone usage, I'm betting... There's more than cell phone usage going on here. We don't want that theory to blind us because it's going to constrain the range of solutions that we could come up with to try to solve this problem. And it sounds like you're going into these discussions hell-bent on um, putting boundaries on cell phone use. I don't know if there will be boundaries on cell phone use coming out of the solution you come up with with your son. But I'm betting that if you got the cell phone usage lenses off and just did plan B on these specific unsolved problems that you named, I'm thinking, without knowing your situation and uh, beyond this email, that there's a decent chance you'd be saying that your child is perfectly willing to participate in coming up with solutions 
so long as they aren't your preordained solutions. Susie, want to weigh in? This is this is a recurring theme during today's program. Yes, Anything it is. you want to add to that? To try to look at it as a learning disability. It's a developmental delay, and this always helped me uh, to restore extra ounces of patience and um, helped me to help my child. Um, it's a tough one, but it's certainly uh, workable through Plan B. Let's do one more, and we're going to have to call it a day. Let's see if we can um, do this one well in the time that we have left, which is about uh, four and a half minutes. Hang on a sec. Here we go. Uh, my son is a sweet, gullible boy in middle school with all the characteristics of ADHD inattentive type. I have reason to believe his cluelessness is beginning to make him a target of mean humor without him even realizing it. I'm not sure how long he will remain unaware of it, and I worry, knowing his past, which has included some pretty sad, depressive symptoms, that if he starts sensing, that his, that if he starts sensing this, his self-esteem will plummet. I realize that all this may sound like worry and theorizing, but I know my son has a ton of risk factors for depression, drug abuse, and other bad outcomes, plus lots of good protective factors too. But I'm trying to be proactive and preventive. Going back to the question, I'm guessing that there are times he is not sure what is going on socially, which may be anxiety-provoking, but even with drilling for information, he doesn't express any concerns about peers. My question is whether I can ask for added protection for him on his existing 504 plan, just so teachers are watching out for any subtle or overt bullying or humor at my son's expense. Um, also, I sure would like it if you could add some examples of 504 plans and IEPs on your website soon. I've been watching and waiting. I'm meeting with the folks who I'm writing it with on Thursday, so hopefully you won't be waiting much longer. Here's the tricky part. It's hard to work on something that isn't an unsolved problem yet. And so I get it. He has a lot of risk factors. I think it is great that you are, on the one hand, that you're anticipating problems that could arise, shows that you're watching closely, um, and that's a good thing. That said, I think it's going to be very difficult for you to work on unsolved problems that aren't unsolved problems yet. I'm not sure where that conversation would begin beyond all of the um, drilling you're doing to see if you can make sure that you're aware of what's going on in your son's social relationships. Doesn't mean you can't ask for some added protection in his existing 504. Um, so that people can watch out for subtle or overt bullying or humor at your son's expense. You can ask. Um, I don't know if you'll get it, um, because I think that you may hear exactly what I just said. That said, depends a little bit on your relationship with the folks at school. They may be perfectly willing to watch out for that. They may not be perfectly willing to put it into a 504 plan, but they may be willing to do it more informally. Of course, um, they're willing to do it informally, then no reason not to put it in a 504 plan. 
I guess that's my thinking. I think it's great that you're watching closely, great that you're anticipating problems that could arise, just very difficult to work on unsolved problems that have not yet arisen. And uh, you know what? Keep us posted on what happens with the 504 and what the school's response was. Susie, anything to add to that? Um, it wasn't clear to me in the email. Um, she said that her son had ADHD. I, was that um, documented? Well, I don't know. She's um, saying okay. that he fits all the characteristics of ADHD right. so, and attentive type. Mm-hmm. I was going to suggest to have some additional educational testing done um, so to really find out if he does have some difficulties, if so, what are they, and that could, you know, then you can work to really address them. And it also helps the school uh, to understand as well as uh, substantiate that he would need additional help. On that note, we're going to call it a day. Susie, thank you as always for doing this. We'll be back next month and we'll do it all over again. Take Take care. care. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 